Hey, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode number one. This is the um, Primero Numero Uno. Numero Uno. Here we go. Numero yeah. Uno. Yeah, I don't. That's a that's the American in me. I don't know what the Canadian would say. That's what's that in French, Marie? Oh, uh, Numero Uno is it's definitely Spanish. I just yeah, yeah. There's the American in you. Would, yes. Okay. So can you be an, a Canadian and give us the French version of that? No, I cannot. As a Mennonite, <laughs> it would have to be in Flo Deutsch. Uh, oh, it'd have to be in Deutsch. Okay. That's All right. right. Wonderful. Yeah, that's right. So welcome to the first episode of uh, Voices from the Desert. It's a podcast that um, Murray, Murray Duick and Joshua Hoffer and I, we're going to be starting. We are starting. Um, and we thought what we'd do with this first episode is uh, just talk a little bit about our journeys um, and what brought us to the point, one, where we would start a podcast like this, mm-hmm. um, but two, the journey of both of us kind of, and I'll give you a, just a brief nutshell for myself and for Murray, both of us kind of coming from some kind of conservative into charismatic, into this rich appreciation for yeah, um, uh, for the historical church, the liturgical church, the contemplative writings in Christian history that really what would kind of be summed up in the term, although we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we'll talk about this at some point, yeah. mystical theology. Um, the, 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 the journey to know the unknown God and, uh, or the journey to know the unknowable God. We'll say that, or I shouldn't say the unknowable God, the ineffable God. That'd be Ooh. language much more in line with um, church history. And so, and so in, the, in this podcast, we're going to be talking all about that kind of stuff. What's been What's been our journey? What have been the things we've gleaned? What's been the wisdom um, that we've walked into? And, you know, from my point of view, sharing the teachings of the Desert Fathers and um, Murray having this rich appreciation for uh, especially the Orthodox contemplative writers. And we'll just see where we go with it. Like every conversation we have isn't a destination. It's a journey. It's us meandering along the way. And um, you'll you'll get to know that about Murray and I as we talk. We're just we're just kind of yeah, wandering from topic. Now. We've already been talking for two hours. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We we set out we set out to value. record we set out to record episode one and talked for two and a half hours before even hitting the record button. So yeah, um, you missed out on a whole lot of stuff if you're just tuning in. And uh, we had a great conversation um, catching up and all. So um, so t- today what we want to do is. Um, just open the floor really a little bit to Murray and say, you only told me about 15 minutes ago, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I like to do with spring things on them. And that's our, that's the prophetic side of what we like to do. (laughs) Right. Um, See, well, and, and I'm, I'll say that later. Um, The Murray, I know Murray's story um, pretty well. I've heard Murray and I've talked about his life and talked about my life. We've been good friends for, uh, Oh, 10 plus years now, probably yeah. something like that. Seeing the ups and downs and the highs and lows of uh, life in ministry, life in family, um, you know, seeing things uh, crater and be rebuilt multiple times yeah. in, in all of the above. Right. It's been, so we've been walking along, along aside each other and um, just richly appreciating friendship. Yes. Um, and so, that, and that's really what kind of brought this together was, friendship yeah Uh, and actually kind of comparing our journeys and like hey why don't we let other people in on this maybe they they want to we want to listen in and and so you know we're we're gonna just kind of talk yeah 
I'm going to drink mate and and uh, which is kind of a uh, the this Mennonite thing. And that's actually I'll drink coffee. I'll drink coffee. I'll so I'll be coffee. So bring your favorite liquid beverage, whatever that would be, sign of the cross, yeah. as I say that, and uh, and just come with us and let's just see where we go. Yeah, yeah we'll, we will. We'll meander from thing to thing, from from topic to topic, because that, and that's really what, you know, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we were, we were Murray and I were chatting just a couple of weeks ago, kind of lamenting on how it feels like in one sense, you start unearthing this rich tradition in Christian history, yeah. and you find your spiritual life a hodgepodge of sources with with things that you valued, but because of where we're at today in, in the sense of... Um, kind of forsaking tradition in a way in some of the church circles we've walked in, you know, I don't yeah. really have a problem saying that we've, our tradition either stems from Luther and Calvin or Azusa street. Um, and, and find what's that. Menno Simons. I got to throw yeah, that out yeah. there. Many nights. Woo! There you go. Shout out to Menno Simons. He's so a founder we, of the Anabaptist wing. I haven't, I you know, I know about you, Murray, but I don't know that much about you. Really? Oh, man. Menno man. <laughs> well, I know you're Mennonite, but I don't know what a Menno Simon is. So. Oh, that's the guy that started Mennonites. Menno. First name. <laughs> named after him. Menno Knight. Named oh, after Menno okay. Simon, you see? I learned something in our podcast. There you go. You <laughs> yeah, got yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, uh, so um, realizing that um, my spiritual life, and Murray was echoing this as well, feels like this mishmash of sources of yeah. of um of influence and things that this worked and this doesn't work and oh that sounds really good almost almost kind of like the squirrel approach right yes and, uh, that way, in, and so there's a there's there's something to exploring the tradition and the history of christianity especially as it relates to how people went about thinking about the mystical journey of union with Christ, knowing God, knowing the mystery of Christ, yeah, knowing, the, yeah. knowing the ineffable qualities or the unexplainable qualities of the Godhead. And, um, you know, how can you talk about knowing something that's unexplainable, but that's part of the journey mm -hmm. and, and finding such stability to be able to lean back on. And so in the midst of feeling like everything's so chaotic and hodgepodge and put together, um, uh, we've found something in Christian history that's helped us. Yeah, and so our, yeah. our journey has been, how, how do we help others and how do we keep helping ourselves through this, but how do we help others? And so um, today we're going to talk about Murray's journey and where he's been and how, how he found, you know, how he found a, a, um, an expression of Christianity that wasn't necessarily connected with his upbringing. We'll say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Murray, Tell me. us about your, tell us, well, first off, tell us about your, I said, I, I, cat's out of the bag. Your name's Murray Duick. That's me. So, um, so tell us about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Like a brief um, overview and then we'll get into your story. Got it. So just remember, I've only been told that I'm telling my story about like half an hour ago. So I hope I don't miss anything, but I, I'm really quite excited to do this. We're I, not looking for uh, perfection. Yeah. We're just looking. We're talk. talking. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I run a I run a school, uh, a, a prophetic school, um, and we'll just use the term prophecy. They're kind of loosely at the moment, and as uh, listening to the Lord and giving it away, right? So we're not talking yeah. end times. We're talking how to hear God's voice, how to be a friend to the Lord, right? And I've done that for I guess this is our twenty second year. So we started in in the year two thousand, and um, mainly in in the Fraser Valley, so Vancouver, British Columbia 
ish for those of you listening from further away. And I've in Canada, in Canada. Canada, yeah. And I've written four books uh, on these various topics, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about one of them. And and now I'm in the interior of British Columbia in a town called, well, outside of a town called Kamloops, where we're starting. A, it's it's an interesting thing that we're doing. It's kind of a it's kind of a retreat place for people to come and just be with the Lord, but also an animal uh, rescue place has, has formed too. So, um, and so we're doing these two things at the same time, you know, um, loving creation and, and, and loving each other all in the presence of the Lord. So that's kind of brings you up to today. And, um, you know, it, it's funny that I was, I was making this joke about, about uh, Menno Simons there, you know, and, and, and as Josh and I were talking about our, our, our wandering through these different places, both starting out fairly you know, evangelical conservative, I would think me, you know, a Mennonite, you know, it's basically a Baptist without a gun. If, if, if you, you, you were probably a little more conservative. I started in vineyard churches. So oh, yeah, yeah. we were, we were a little less conservative in the sense of stodgy conservatism. Yeah, is what we're yeah. talking about, right. Well, Not, we're not talking about political conservatism, yes. right? ideological conservatism. Well, we're just know, talking Mennonite, about the expression. It really started as a prophetic movement in, in the 50, in, in the 1500s. Um, there were, you know, cartoons in the newspapers of Europe at the time of the Anabaptists and their dreaded visions, you know, it's, it, it, and it, it kind of follows us around, you know, it seems like every 20 years, there's a new move of the Holy Spirit in, in, in the Mennonite churches. But for those of you that are thinking uh, carriage and horses, you know, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're, you know, basically, uh, again, Mennonites are very much like Baptists, very, very similar in almost every way, except that that Mennonites doctrine, doctrinally on top of that are also pacifists. So um, so no war, no violence at any time, supposedly, except when you play hockey, then you just pass your fist. <laughs> so, uh, the Canadian they, version of that's right. Mennonite. The, the true yeah. hard stuff comes out. So, um, but so basically, you know, basically evangelical, you know, you, know, you wouldn't know the difference between a Mennonite church and an Alliance church, really. Sure. Uh, for those of you that are listening, but I, I would say to Josh, I would call myself a charismatodox, and so <laughs> I, I'm very charismatic and experienced. You know, you'll, you'll pick that up very clearly from the story I'm about to tell you. Um, I, I often pray for people and they fall over. You know, it follows me around. It gets me kicked out of churches. I mean, what am I going to do? Just sit in the chair, please. So then, then I don't get. Um, I'm very Mennonite still in my ethos. So we're we're very kind i think we might be too um we, we could be too performance orientated or german heritage in there maybe um but i think being too hard on ourselves but humility i i think i think there's some good traits with with the many nights that i work with when they get filled with the spirit they don't ever quit you know there there's that i still see that in me you know good and the bad but i'm also in my so i'm you know charismatic in experience i'm very Mennonite in my in my ethos, but I'm very orthodox in my theology, and and um, and so I call myself a charismatodox. So um, so I have a picture of, of Jesus carrying a duck. He's carrying, you know, Mennonite the duck's got a beard, and uh, you know, charismatodox. It's like anyway, so it's kind of running. <laughs> uh, but it, but it, it's interesting because now I, I can be a heretic in all three camps now. Like you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's how it feels sometimes because you're you're not really you want to grow beyond your 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 fences and i you know there was a study done i remember james dobson talking about it in family you know family focus 
where where uh, there was this elementary school somewhere. Focus on the family. Focus you mean. on the family. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. And, and, they, and they decided for some reason, the psychologists to take, or sociologists to take the fence out and see what would happen. And they thought what would happen is that these kids would wander all over the neighborhood, but the opposite happened where all the kids just huddled in the middle of the schoolyard going nowhere near where those that fence used to be. And, and you know, our, our doctrinal lines create these fences and they really do create a sense of security, but sometimes the Lord wants to pull those things out. So, and I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the Nicene Creed. We're not pulling out the Nicene Creed, you know, right. who's, who's the Trinity, but you know, um, there's, there's so many things and how we believe church should function a uh, style of music, uh, type of dress, focus on communion, focus on vision, focus on theology, focus. I, I, and you know, we all, right. we build these camps and, and often the Lord is wanting us to grow beyond our, structures you know i mean that's acts 10 that's peter like hey let the gentiles in what i've never touched anything unclean in all my life his fence has got to go right so and i think everybody's journey and we want to know god beyond our cultural expression we want to know who he really is and with that comes the lord introducing new encounters with him and experiences through through positive encounters and also negative things where the way we've done life up to this point isn't working. And we're like, well, Lord, then what? And then sometimes right. comes. So, so my story is a little bit about a journey like that, about my fence coming up where, where I thought I had everything pretty neatly in a row as a, as a charismatic. And, and I, and I realized suddenly my fence is gone. Now what? And it was very, very disconcerting at first. And I needed to find some, theology or beliefs that made sense of my experience and i found that in the desert fathers and orthodoxy uh the patristics here i was like suddenly like oh my goodness other people on earth believe this like, like <laughs> as as a charismatic as, as i tell the story you, you know if, if that's your you know that's where you are or where you've been um it'll relate uh but at the same time nobody in in my circles at the time um i mean renewal was happening and i i love renewal uh, god was doing all kinds of crazy things but we're thinking it's about revival it's about destiny words it's about breakthrough it's about anointing it's about going to the nations it's about you know and and everything was really a doing based you know you're listening to the lord i mean that's what i teach people to do but it was still very very driven and and suddenly you'll you'll see from the story it wasn't and the Lord says to me very audibly, I've heard the Lord speak to me quite audibly a few times in my life. And this is one of the strongest, and it'll be in the midst of the story, but I may as well give you the crux of it now, where he said, in midst of all my doing, I've beaten you in this kindly loving voice. Well, where do you find that in charismatic or, or, or evangelical theology, right? What does that have to do with anything? Satan, I bind you. I think that's where I went first. That can't, right. be, can't be God because, you know, and so... It, it, it took a lot of, of journey. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to read you just about three paragraphs out of this book called The Orthodox Way, written by Bishop Callistus Ware, which could be for a lot of you already outside of your box. Okay. But, but the reason I want to do this is now remember the story I'm about to tell you. I have no knowledge of, of this theology. It is probably, in my point of view at the time, heretical. 
you know, it's probably, I mean, I don't want to grow a beard. I mean, Josh has got a nice beard, but I, I don't want to wear a big robe all the time and have long hair and a beard and look like I'm from a Harry Potter movie. It's, it's, you know, it, it's not on my radar, let alone, you know, let's get the band up and let's, you know what I mean? I mean, just chanting all the time. What's, what's the point of this? It's, it's a cultural expression that is archaic and probably represents what the church used to be. Right. But, but let me read you just the first little bit, because when you hear and just, my... and while you're you're pulling that up, they, yeah. just for the record too, we're not. It's not so much that, um, speaking for myself, I think I speak for Murray too. Is not so much that we're trying to, in all the things we'll talk about, right? Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna reference evangelical author authors. We're gonna reference Anglican guys. We were just talking about an NT right podcast that we were yeah. that Murray was listening to. We're going to reference all these things and what we're saying I'm going to represent is, Benny Hinn when he talks about the Holy Spirit. There we go, right? Like this the whole point is look, there is a rich tradition that when we get so encamped in our own camps, we totally miss it. Yeah. And so when we come to when it comes to some of the some of the best writing on understanding the spiritual life is in the orthodox tradition and in the catholic tradition for that matter as well. And so we, we want to, part of what our journey has been is about breaking down the divisive walls that say, yeah. well, I can't even go to someone else. You know, I only can, if I'm, in the schoolyard, that yeah, if I'm a charismatic, I can only listen to other charismatic authors. If I'm evangelical, I only have certain evangelical people I can listen to. Right. Yeah. But, but that it's so limiting. And, and so we'll talk more about that as we go through the whole podcast, but um you know, so so by no means is are we are we as a podcast trying to say, let's endorse you need to go to this church or this church or this yeah, church or this absolutely. church. We're saying there's a rich tradition here, guys. Let's let's get past the divisiveness of well, I can't I you know, I can't listen to an Orthodox person because they're heretical or whatever. I can't listen to someone who's Catholic. There there may be certain doctrinal beliefs that we would go, oh, let's push against that. But that doesn't, yeah. by no means, that makes an Orthodox monk or a priest or person in Orthodox church, just your average layperson, is absolutely a brother, sister in Christ, the same way I could go to your most crazy charismatic church down the street and go, they're absolutely a brother or sister in Christ. Now we got to reason out together how we live that and how we walk yeah. that out, right? So Yeah, and there's so a tension just, there. And if you're feeling... There is, for sure. So do, so do we. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's, you know, life is about walking, uh, is about walking that journey. And, and you know, that thing yeah. I just said about Benny Hinn. So if, if you want him to throw me on the other camp, some of you will think, well, now you're too much of a crazy charismatic because you're quoting him, but his book, good morning, Holy spirit, I think is brilliant. I, I really I've got it. it back here somewhere. Like yeah. it's back here in my, in my library somewhere. Yeah. You want to see two books, the one I'm about to read you from and Benny Hinn's book sitting side by side on the bookshelf. If that makes your brain hurt you know welcome to my head you know <laughs> as a character yeah that's i have i have back here i have right next to all of the collection of um got the nt right some of my nt right and his popular works in my library oh, yeah. you know you can't see on the video because you know we're on a video but you're listening to the audio right next to the um the patristic um uh, the uh uh popular patristic series um which is 50 some odd books exploring all of that and then right next to them all is um this this set of the teachings of um oh who's that who's the uh oh gosh <laughs> uh william branham 
Well, there and, you go. Right? You know, so you're just going like, like, I want to learn how to love Jesus. That's what I want to know. And, you know, I, I'll take any source that's going to help me love him more. Amen. There you and, go. Uh, so so I, I'm, we're just throwing the disclaimer out there because, you know, so many people might are going to listen and they're, they're either going to be in the Orthodox camp and go, yes, you guys are quoting the Orthodox people, which is great, right? Or they're going to be in the camp with goes, are these guys trying to make me Orthodox? No, we're having a conversation about following Jesus and yes. sharing with you the things we found helpful. And it's, it's good to think that, to realize that, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, when I go, I will send you a, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? He'll guide you into truth. Well, that didn't start with Luther in, in, in 15, whatever it is, 36, right? right? Where, where most of us, if we do look back in church history, we start there. Uh, there's nothing between him and the disciples. It, it's a big blank space. And, yeah. and, you know, and that's not the case. There, there have been people, the Holy Spirit has been teaching and guiding persecuted for their by their own groups by the way uh for being charismatics uh, i i think a poor saint simeon or maximus the confessor who had his tongue cut out or you know you know these guys that when we realize wow they were sticking up for the lord speaking today i mean i i remember saint simeon i i, I won't quote it right because even in his time which is about a thousand a.d people were saying well god doesn't speak today and he has this this uh, a limerick, or it's it's a poem, I guess. I guess it doesn't translate perfectly to English, and I'll butcher it. But it's something like, um, um, oh, I have it written down. I have it written down in a book. Oh, I wish I'd have to go down the stairs <laughs> to grab it. But it's in the back. I loved it so much. If you have not heard the heavenly voice, or seen the divine light, or felt the divine touch upon your heart, or have heard the call of the angels, and I'm I'm just you know totally making this up. Uh, but it, it's like that. And then, it, and then it ends with, if you have not experienced these things, how can you talk about God at all? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like how, can you, how can you be a theologian if you, all you've ever done is read it in a book? Right. Uh, and I, I just so I, I agree with you. Oh, my yes. God. I mean, as, as someone who values hearing God, there's this monk from, you know, 1,000 years ago. I'm like, wow, you're talking my language, man. How many more of you are there? Yeah. Well, there's lots of them. So, um, so, you know, let me read you the first bit of this little book here. And, and it might not make sense right away. Uh, and some of it is couched in, you know, couched in their culture. Uh, but I, I think it'll be important to kind of set a, oh, kind of coming out of the thinking that I, I did have, what I thought was important when God says, hear my voice. It's like, do my stuff, right? That's kind of how I, uh, I, I would have thought about it. Um, intimacy is doing. So hearing God's voice should take you there. Well, you know, I learned pretty quickly that's not exactly true. So um, let me just read a little bit of this and let's jump in. So it uh, prologue, signposts on the way, and it's out of this book called The Orthodox Way by Callistus Ware. I think it's a, it's a good introductory little book. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And there's a little quote here by this guy, George, Father George Florovsky. I have no idea who that is. The church gives us not a system, but a key, not a plan of God's city, but the means of entering it. Perhaps someone will lose his way because he has no plan, but all he will see, he will see without a mediator. He will see it directly. It will be real for him. While he who has studied only the plan risks remaining outside and not really finding anything. And, and, and the point of that passage is this. 
to, to read about God and not encounter him, as I was quoting St. Simeon, is not really knowing God. It, it's, it's reading the manual to drive the car, but never really driving the car, right? That, that this relationship with God is experiential because he's a real being who wants a real relationship, right? So, so already that confronts some, you know, some evangelical views that God doesn't speak today. That's like, no, well, that's not about it at all. You, you can't just talk about, a, you know, just it, it's about the Bible's job is for us to encounter Right. I will not or he speaks to he only speaks to people that have it all together. Yeah. You know, or or to, he only speaks to leaders or yeah, you know. So yeah. that's kind of the, the context there. So let me read the read you the next part. One of the best known of the desert fathers of the fourth century, Saint Serapion the Sendinite, traveled once in pilgrimage to Rome. And here he was told of a celebrated recluse, a woman who lived always in one small room, never going out. Skeptical about her way of life, for he himself was a great wanderer, Serapion called on her and asked, why are you sitting here? To this she replied, I'm not sitting, I'm on a journey. And we'll talk a little bit about her in a minute. I'm not sitting, I am on a journey. Every Christian may apply these words to him or herself. To be a Christian is to be a traveler. Our situation, says the Greek fathers, is like that of the Israelite people in the desert of Sinai. We live in tents, not houses. For spiritually, we are always on the move. What does that mean to be spiritually always on the move? What does that mean? We are on a journey through the inward space of the heart. What does that mean? A journey not measured by the hours of our watch or the days of the calendar, for it is a journey out of time into eternity. Okay. Through the inward spaces of the heart, a journey. And you know, we'll get back to... Uh, uh, Saint Seraphim there and, and, and the lady at another point. But is this heart transformation? Is this something God is looking for? So um, so I'm just going to fire into this and go. So again, at this point in time where we find the story, I am on staff at a church called Valley Christian Fellowship. And I run, uh, I'm in charge of the prophetic ministry of this church. We're affiliated with Toronto Airport. We were the West Coast hub for Toronto at that time. And, and um, I strongly believed in God speaking, had met God in Youth with a Mission back in 84. And he spoke to me almost audibly, and it changed my life. And, and everything I do, even till this day, is if people could hear his voice, they would love him. And, and I still believe that. I, I, with all my heart, I still believe that. How I apply it is a little bit different, right? But... Um, you know, as the power of God fell in our church, you know, thinking about the renewals and it had begun before that. I think we had a hundred street kids saved in, in six months. So my main job at that time, I ran kind of a, a youth church, youth, young adult church called God Rock, which was about, you know, 250 kids. It got, you know, maybe to 350 at one point, 100 Huntley Street brought, brought out their film crews. Um, I had a hundred kids at home groups. I mean, we were kind of happening. And, and as a tree is a success. Yeah, he's I, valid because he's been successful. That's right. I got to build it up a little bit before it all falls apart. So that I've beaten you statement is is coming like a like a bit of a hammer. So, uh, but I I thought that was and, and you know we'd have all these big names come to our church, you know you know John Paul Jackson who's going to show up a bunch of times here, you know Mike Bickle, Kevin Prosh. I mean all the people for us that meant you've made it. We were and so you you with that said. So with that said, I just want to preface that by 
you you'd already moved kind of from that conservative Mennonite background yeah, because of some encounters point. you had to this place of okay the charismatic stuff it's where signs and wonders that's that's a that's a, a focal point and not just a um you know a passing fancy absolutely it's, yeah yeah so you've already you've already kind of come in in that point in your journey and you're in there you've already kind of come to that point and, yeah and and for me, you know, uh, you know, not we, we won't go into it here. Maybe it'll come out at another time. But I, I had gotten to the point. I mean, I, I mean, God spoke to me as a little kid. I, I remember hearing him saying, "Do you want to come serve me?" As a six-year-old standing with my lunch kit on the way to elementary school, you know. And I'm like, "Yes." And after that moment, everything changed. I got my parents to go to church. I wanted to go to church, and and um, and uh, I. I had this hunger to know God, you know, but then right. we're taught God doesn't speak today. You know, that's, you know, like, like, or, or to be scared to death. And, and I even went to a Mennonite high school because I thought, you know, I, I, I want to serve God. I want to do the right thing. But by the time I got a high, out of high school, I mean, God's unknowable. It's just a set of rules and, and the things you do. And, and I was really, a, a really, I got to the end of, of, you know, not being in a very, very pretty dysfunctional family, uh, not ever really knowing love. I mean, I got to the point where I, I, I remember I would sit at the end of my bed. I won't tell the whole story, but I would say, God, kill me, right? I can't live like this anymore. And, but I would also say, if, if, you know, if you don't speak today, this is no better than Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam. Speak to me, right? And I don't even know why I would say that because I was, I was in such a bad spot. And then I ended up going to Youth of the Mission, which was quite miraculous for somebody to, in that mental headspace. And God met me and he spoke to me and it, it, it changed everything about me. Yeah. And my, my plan was, I mean, I've got a degree from Bible school, a Mennonite Bible school in missions, because my plan was to be a missionary and never come back. Because I, I thought, that's all I want to do. You know, I just want to hear God. I just want people to know him. And I still feel that way. But, um, you know, I've so there'd already been, my point is there'd already, and not my point, but. Yeah, there had yeah. already been a number of moments along the yeah. way that got you to the point where you're now in this charismatic yeah. environment that looks like, you know, Murray has arrived. He's and I felt great, that way. the apostolic leader of the moment. You know, he's going <laughs> to take over the world, all that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Renewal's so, happening. Revival's happening. The Holy Spirit's moving. Yeah. So, you know, really coming from, you know, again, again, a very Mennonite slash alliance church, I guess we could even say, uh, into this full on hearing God's voice was quite was quite something so but now we're we're a little ways down the road um just to kind of get into you know uh yeah. how do we end up here um so you know the power of god's moving crazy things are happening again we had 100 kids saved off the street in six months i mean we're a plant in youth churches wow. one in vancouver one in the interior i mean you know they're you know not we're just starting i mean stuff was happening and and um i hear about this guy john paul jackson Right. So I may as well throw it in here because he comes into both our stories. So and I'm like, oh. and uh, when I, I met him and I said, would you come to Abbotsford? That's where we were based. And he goes, Abbotsford, God's been speaking me, to me about a city called Abbotsford for four years. I thought it was in Scotland. He goes, sure, I'll come. So I'm like, oh, yes, you know, here we go. Right. Another another great, incredible moment for Murray Dewick. That's right. Taking over yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your destiny. So um, so a weird thing happens. It's about. Oh, I think it's still six months out before he'd come. And, uh, you know, at this time, I'm not putting really any time into dreams, into numbers, 
into because it's not about that it's about the kingdom of heaven always advances and the gates of hell will not prevail i mean those are two verses mushed together i didn't even know that i thought that was one verse that's not even a verse so um but uh, i know you're laughing but i could see that you guys on uh, you guys on audio don't know that josh is laughing i, I actually believe that because because you know we want everyone to get saved we want them to encounter god we want that's what we want and it was happening right, right. So of course this is what you should be doing right um we had, I remember we had witches come in to curse our meeting and the power God dropped them on the ground and they were stuck pinned to the ground for an hour and a half. And after an hour and a half, they finally went, they were like, get off me, get off me. And finally they realized they were talking to someone. Okay. I surrender. Boom. God saved them. God let them off the ground. I wow. mean, you just think that's going to happen continually and never stop. Right. Here we go. Right. Outpouring. That's the point. Um, but is it, I thought it was. So um, John Paul, we have this invitation and, and, and um, suddenly the senior pastor guy, God bless that guy. Uh, he'd come into staff meeting, really shaken. And, um, and, and he says, man, the weirdest thing happened uh, last night. Uh, Vicky had had this dream, his wife in, in, in the dream, she was flying over the Southern United States in this dream in the dark. And she comes to this bridge and there's a person standing on the bridge. Like they're going to jump. And the person turns to, to, to her and says, help me, I'm trapped in Birmingham, Alabama. And, and then she woke up, thought there was an earthquake, turned on the news, looked for plants swaying. She goes, how weird is that? You know, and this burden came upon me. I just wanted to cry. But I mean, I didn't know what that was. We had a meeting to do. We got to talk about who's in leadership and how are we growing our team and what's the next renewal meeting about? And we're, we're going to start a Bible school. I mean, no, there's no time for this. So it, it kind of shook me up enough you just put it on the shelf you get on with it you know so things had already started to change for my meeting doing this god rock youth thing this is kind of the next thing that happened and and again at this time i'm thinking you know church's purpose is to grow and and in this time see the power of god come right so i'm running this church and we're seeing all these kids saved and it's pre-service prayer and the power of god's following there's people all over the floor and I have this vision of Jesus standing in the middle of the room weeping. I mean, I mean, I, I picture okay, and I dream really good, but I don't see like this. So this was not a, a normal thing. And he's weeping, and he's weeping so hard his shoulders are shaking. And, and he's kind of like, I'm watching this, you know, in the midst of all the power of God happening. And, and he's like saying, you know, you all want me to pray for you. What about my heart? You know, what about me? And I... I'm thinking, well, isn't that what we're doing? And he says, if you want to come with me on the next part of the journey, again, it was kind of intuitive, right? Impression. Sure. Take the most broken person in the room and lay hands on them. And I'm like, well, where's wow. that in the Bible? And, and the verse, where, what you've done to the least of these, you've, you've right. done, them, right? So we put this guy in the middle and, and I tell everybody. And, and uh, now I didn't realize what was going on there. It was an invitation to a different level of relationship. So, you know, you have one level of relationship with your future spouse if you're just friends, another level if you're dating, another level if you're engaged, and another level if you're married, different requirements. And, and this was an invitation. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know that because we're bearing fruit. That's the deal, right? The vision, do the stuff. Let's do the stuff, right? I don't know anything about if you bear fruit, you shall be pruned clean that you'll bear even more fruit. I mean, I don't know. I have a clue about, about anything like this. I mean, what church is talking about this? It's we're going to the nations, man. It's destiny words. We're planning. We move from glory to glory, right? Yeah, there's no there's, downtime in there. Yeah, thank you. There you go. So yeah. um, 
But after that event, it's like the presence of God lifted somewhat. And, and so, you know, what do you do while you work harder? You just push harder, right? But mo most of my home group leaders are 15 to 21. And they're dealing with street kids that are broken. Now, as long as they can put their hands out and say, come Holy Spirit, and the Spirit does something, things are great. But this, the manifest presence of God is starting to, to withdraw. And now these 15-year-old kids, we're, they're dealing with people, kids, you know, being taken to the psych ward with no real training other than that. Because up until this point, this manifest presence was, was happening. So oh, just work harder, right? Let's just work harder. And you can only do that so long without, in your own soul, in your own gift, right? Without the manifest presence. And so, you know, John Paul is coming in the midst of things are shaking, stuff's going on. So he comes to do this conference and uh, it's a powerful conference. There's an earthquake and the building shakes, you know, at lunch. And we're looking at each other. Uh, remember Vicky's dream about the earthquake? And it turns out there's a fault line under the city of Abbotsford. Nobody knew that. I mean, it wow. didn't come out until 10 years, 15 years later that that's actually true. But I mean, it, you know, that brought it back because we remember that as a staff. Well, that night we have a meeting with him and he says this, he says, you guys, have the opportunity to go down in history and set Western Canada ablaze or miss it like Birmingham, Alabama. Quoting exactly what Vicky said, word for word. So the earthquake thing and, and the Birmingham thing happened on the same day. Wow. And boy, as a staff, it, it shook us up. And, um, and, and he said to us, you know, for the next 18 months, you know, the enemy's going to hit you with everything he's got. Right, and you need to change, turn a corner in some of the things you believe to move into your next season. Right, so we'll just we'll just leave it there. I mean, it was a tough meeting. People wanted to quit. People were scared, you know. And uh, you know, you just put it on the shelf just because somebody says it. You know, just um, I think he said to me, "Some of you in your marriages don't work on your intimacy. You won't be married in eighteen months." It was, you know, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, so you get on with it. Well, basically things do go from bad to worse if, if you want to think that doing is bad. Or And so I have this dream. Again, prophetic guy, I'm not putting much time into dreams at all because I'm giving people words of knowledge. I can read somebody's mail really easy. This is where you come from. This is what you're about. This is where you're going. This is what God's going to do for you. That's prophecy, right? Why right. do you need dreams? They're confusing. They're symbolic. I mean, Josh and I put a lot of time into dreams now, but, but it but if you're not traveling through the inner parts of the heart, as we just read from Callistus Ware, and it's only about building and doing, they seem worthless. Unless yeah, that's, realize, very, that's very true. Yeah. Unless you realize the Lord's not focusing. Like he said, he said to, 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 to um, Samuel, God doesn't look at the outer man. He looks at the man of the heart, right? Oh, I've got so many thoughts, but you just keep going. Okay. Well, I have this dream. Again, you know, why are dreams important? Well, this sir, I have this dream in, in which I'm driving my car through the country. It's somewhere right in this time period. It's probably before John Paul came out and and uh, around the time of, of having that vision of Jesus in the room there. And and in the dream, driving in the country road, everything's beautiful, everything's gorgeous, sun's out, there's the mountains. And I come around this corner and there's a you know, one of those construction workers with a big sign that says stop, right? And the bridge is out. And I can't, I can't go that way anymore. It's, it's done. And, and I, I'm sitting there in my car 
And, and in behind the construction worker, there's a mountain and this waterfall is coming down this mountain and it's ripping out trees in groups of 12, groups of 12. So I'm watching these trees fall, get torn out uh, over and over again, groups of 12. And I'm watching this in the dream and I, I, I still remember it really clearly, but you know what? I didn't ever bother looking up what the number 12 meant. I mean, you know, I didn't even know what it meant to be honest as a prophetic guy. I mean, maybe, but I'm like, so what? It's no like significant groupings of 12 in scripture or anything. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like, oh my because, no, like repeated things <laughs> that's happening in scripture, you know, and just so you know, it, you know, the reason we're laughing, it happens all the time. 12 yeah, fossils, yeah. fossils, right? 12 thrones, 24 elders, yeah. two times 12, 144,000, 12 times 12. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's like, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's ubiquitous in the Bible. It's crazy. Yeah. That's my big word for the day. So um, I didn't even look it up, right? Because I'm like, well, church, we're doing, we're building something here. Like, what a stupid dream. Forget about it, right? So, um, I mean, who's got a theology of, of things breaking down as, as being good? That can't be in the Bible. It's glory to glory, man. I mean, right. that, that seems demonic of anything. So, so again, who's got a theology of, right? Who's got that theology? Well, I didn't, right? Yeah, a theology of suffering or a theology of, well, the Orthodox guys would say a theology of abandonment. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily a fan of that language yeah, because I of just how extreme it can be, but I, I get it and I don't necessarily disagree. So, yes. so yeah, it's, who's it's, it's too bad. It's triggering in our, you know, and to use our contemporary culture, right? Oh, don't say abandonment. It's triggering. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And well, you know, we'll come to that word in a different podcast for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure um, we will. Because yeah. again, uh, you know, language they use and the language you use, you got to realize it's coming out from, you know, two thousand year old Greek, and, and you yeah, know, yeah for mean, sure. What they we mean is not the same. And and that's yeah. what's good reason for Josh and I to, to, to you know talk about this. So, uh, time goes on. To, to make a long story short, I mean, a lot of, of different, you know things happen and Godrock blows up everything blows up within two weeks everything is gone the bad kind of blow up yeah not the good kind of blow up it all was already up. blowing up and now yeah. it yeah everybody's run out of gas all the home groups which had 100 kids in them fall apart uh some people had a cancer scare one of my major overseers I, anyway just it's bad right everything i've done putting 60 to 80 hours a week into the church 60 to 80 hours right is gone seven years just and and i i, I just i'm destroyed because i'm thinking i was building the kingdom I, I was doing the stuff this isn't supposed to happen yeah you seek first your kingdom and all these things ministry growth yeah. people getting saved should be added onto you isn't that the purpose of church and I, i'm destroyed i mean my theology um you know my friends uh, I, it was pretty hard and 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 what happens i i i decide to to go to vancouver island which um living in you can see it on a map it's it's quite a it's quite a journey and go all the way to the west coast i think my in-laws were moving there at the time and i figured i'll just i just had to get out and i just pointed and, sh and shot and I, I went there and i had this big 12-man youth tent and that's the only tent i had and i mean it was a big tent and i threw it in and i just left and i was so mad at the time i think i was even mad at my kids i didn't i didn't even figure that out for a year i mean i'm still some ways a good midnight guy in, in aspects of performance orientation and doing, and, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to build this thing, you know, and, and not really in touch with 
you know with god or without him right is yeah is, is ultimately what it ends up being right i'm doing this for you yeah yeah because you told me i think i don't need you to be involved i'm just gonna do it for you yeah so yeah. and I'm, I'm not really not really aware of that you know um so i i get to where i'm going psalm 64 6 the the deep heart of man that devises schemes and plots iniquities oh boy yeah, that's yeah we'll deep. talk about that in a future episode too yeah. so you know again you know it's good to hear these things how did we get in our thinking to where we are i mean this is kind of kind of it you know i'm struggling i want to go back to right. my thinking put my fence back up please just leave it alone god i mean things are good right um so when i finally get to where i'm going i'm kind of mad i'm mad at a whole bunch of things and and um I set my tent up and I wake up in the morning. So now remember, I'm still a good charismatic. I'm still having charismatic experiences, but my framework is starting to change. And I, I you know, I'm fighting it at this point. And I, I, I wake up in the morning and I hear what I think is a bear outside my tent. It's growling. I mean, it's loud. It's just like that. But it's moving at about 100 miles an hour around my tent like it's a dragonfly. It's flying around my tent. And I sit up and I go, what is going on out there? And the Lord speaks to me. He says, Take your, open your Bible to Isaiah 6, verse 6 and 7. So open up my Bible and it says, And the angel flew to the altar and took a hot coal in the tongs and flew to me and touched my lips and said, See, your, your guilt is atoned for and your sins forgiven. And while I'm listening to this thing outside my tent, you know, so I'm taking this to be an angelic encounter of, of some form. And, and I, I, I'm like, what sin? You know, I know I'm angry about a couple of things, but I, I you know, I'm, working as hard as i can you know so and, and the lord just says you know and you know you'll get it as time goes on now i don't know this thing about the journeys through the inner resource re recesses of the heart that calistus wears talking what's the point who cares right who cares just let me work man let me do my thing and um why is that important to god right so yeah, we've got business to do. Like, what? Yeah. Who cares about the heart? Yeah, you got, you got stuff, people to save here. Like, we, we're, yeah. you know, it's not about us. You know, we can we can do that in heaven, right? Just let's just get everyone in. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we're thinking, right? As that's yeah, a good evangelical charismatic thought. Just a just a total side note. This is I just had this. I'm not going to quote the whole thing or or get the whole quote, but Isaac the Syrian. Um, he he, I'm. Yeah, Isaac the Syrian talks about this. Uh, at, at, he's talking about people that have had great success, um, people that have seen salvation, they've seen healing, they've cured the souls of many, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. he goes, um, because they fail to take care of the deep things in their heart, they actually injure more people in their fall than they helped in their ministry. Yeah. There we go. And, yeah. and you know, that just just i mean just thinking of your story and how the lord saved you like it, you know what's the 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 lord saved you from a greater evil right yeah I yeah in a way you could have you could have fallen astonishingly and destroyed the lives of many because of it yeah um, but instead the lord goes oh, i love i like this guy yeah i guess <laughs> you know? see, and see that's an important point everybody to to realize sometimes when we go through hardships it's actually God revealing to us what's in our heart so he can heal us and change us. So those things are actually good. Yeah. What see that where who's got that theology, right? So, yeah. um, so basically what happens 
a long story short, I'm trying to cut this down. Um, we're going to do our last ministry trip to Montana. So there's a church out there that wants my kids to go because my kids would do all the prophetic ministry for, uh, they used to go to the, the stuff Wes and Stacy would do at Avalanche and we would all get in for free because they'd be the prophetic ministry team for the whole conference. It just, you know, it just always followed me around and I can impart it. And um, so we're, we're going to go to this place in Montana. It's our last trip and everything's blown up, but the home group leaders who we've met with in the, and I said, how many are going to come back and rebuild this? And like, nobody. So I, you know, I know it's done, but, but we're going, you know, there's, we're still kind of a community, I guess. And I'm up front in the church. We're getting prayer to head out. And the Lord puts me on the ground and he says to me, I think audibly, but audibly to me in this kind voice, I've beaten you. I'm like, what? This is you? You did this? But I was working for you. I mean, I look, look what I did. 60, 70, 80 hours a week for seven years to build this. And you did this? Oh, was I mad. You know, maybe that's the devil, right? How could that be God? And I mean, my theology is like cracking now. I mean, but I know the voice of God. And I mean, I've been doing this a long time, even at that point. And, but that puts me in major conflict with my own, you know, theological grid, you know? Let's take the seven mountains. Let's build, you know, let's conquer so society. I'm, yeah. I'm really confused. And we're, we're, so we're driving to Montana and we finally get in. It, it's taken us a while. There's like five cars of us, at least, maybe more. And our minivans finally got in. And in Montana is a funny place, you know, everything is a half casino, at least it was at the time. So you go to the washroom, it's toilet, toilet <laughs> I always say toilet, slot machine, toilet, slot machine. It's just everything. And we, we, get into this one and I'm like I, I'm so disturbed I'm like I can't I can't stay here I can't I get in the car everybody we're going to the rest area we're not stopping so I made all my kids get back into our vehicle and we just drove off and I mean there were other vehicles and other leaders but I, I was just so disturbed I just I couldn't be around it and and we're driving for about 20 minutes and one one of the kids in the back of the van yells where is this place like the rest area and the Lord speaks to me just around the corner and I have enough faith left to tell the person helping me. In the, yeah, I think it's just around the corner. Sure enough, we come around the corner. There is the rest area sign. But it's, it's highlighted by the presence of God. If you've ever had a verse jump off your Bible page and strike you like that. And I know the Lord's going to talk to me there. And we drive into the rest area. Everybody quickly jumps out and runs to the bathroom. And there is this historical sign. And the Lord says to me, go read that sign. What's happening in your ministry is on that sign. So I walk over and the sign says 12 miles from the rest area. See, there's a number 12 again. I haven't looked it up. 12 miles from the rest area was a mine. And in 1897, like the iron copper mine, something like that. I don't remember the exact name. In 18, it pulled up millions of dollars of such and such. But in 1897, a law was passed that any mine without a secondary escape shaft had to be closed. They couldn't make it work. And all that's left today is collapsed tunnels and old foundations. And as I'm reading that, because we're thinking, are we going to restart God Rock? We're going to start again, right? I, like, are you telling me I can't? Because they couldn't redo it? Is that what you're telling me? And the Lord says to me, he says, finally, I kind of get it. As that mine was built 12 miles out of the rest area, so you've built your ministry outside of my rest. Wow. You've built wow. it 12 government. He says to me, right, clear, 12 government. You've built your leadership outside of my rest area wow and I, I just 
and that makes a lot of sense if some other parts of the this testimony I skipped out, right? But now I know what the number 12 means. And I look at like, oh my goodness. So we, we and, and you know, God doesn't always speak to me like this every day. But during this time, I, I heard pretty good because I had to, I think. So we, we finally get to where we're um, going to be. And, and Montana is a weird place. It's all, you know, mint fields or wheat fields. And then the Rockies, uh, you know, in Canada, it's all mountains and Rockies and fi finally wheat fields. In Montana, it's not like that. And so um, it's important for this next part. So I, I, I wake up that morning and I have a dream. Now you can see why I teach dreams. Dreams become very significant to me after this. I, I, I see myself in this dream flying over these wheat fields. And again, the Lord speaks to me, seemingly almost audible. And he says, come and meet me in the field today. Okay, come and, uh, you know, uh, come meet, meet with me. So I'm like, okay, I skip out of this meeting. I'm supposed to be at this meeting. And I skip out and I sit in this field. And I'm like looking at my watch. God, I got 15, 20 minutes. You better say something quick because I, I got to go, right? And nothing happens, of course, right? So I, I finally get to the meeting. And it's this church used to be a golf driving range. So it's got a big field in the back surrounded by wheat fields so you know i'm in the wrong field basically is what's going on here and um you know it's the at the end of lunch and this old guy comes up to me and i don't know he's a prophetic guy for this region i don't know who he is long-haired kind of hippie guy you know he was a ranger in vietnam tough dude you know back in the day and he says hey i got a prophetic word for you you know okay i'm not really in the mood i'm thinking get it over with so i could go out and persecute myself some more you know is what i'm thinking so yeah and he, he says to me, I see you out in the ocean and you're surfing a set of waves. Now, I was just in Tofino at the ocean not long ago. So I thought immediately, how did a hillbilly from Montana figure that out? You know, pretty good. You're out surfing and you're, you've caught a set of waves and there's a bigger set coming. But right now you're in between sets and you're caught in the riptoe and, 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 and you're striving and striving and striving. And if you don't get back to the resting air, rest area, the resting place, it's going to kill you. And you need to get back to the rest area. And I'm like, you know, that's what I just heard, you know? And I say, man, right. can we meet? I need to talk to somebody. He goes, sure. Let's go for a walk in the field. I meet God there. And I'm like, and I just fall down in, into the wheat weeping. I'm just, it destroys me. Yeah. And he says to me, so, he goes, so man, he still talks a bit like a hippie. So man, what's it all about? This Christian thing. What's it all about? And I'm like, and I don't know what I even said. He goes, have you ever heard of the trysting place? It's a medieval term where, where two lovers would meet. Christianity is about the bride and the groom being together at rest. And all, and I see in your life that there is some fear. It's like a plant. And some of your roots have grown into fear and into striving. And God is going to have to replant you into rest. Right? So, and now, now, so, you know, basically what I figured out is, okay, I'm striving, I'm performance orientated. Hey, I can fix this. I'll just work really, really hard and not working hard, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. A good minute at response. I can fix this. I Now I know what the problem is. Right. I'm striving, I'm driven, I'm performing. I, I, okay, no worries. I can fix this. And um, so I come back. I, I'm skipping out a little bit, but I'll, I'll tell you just a couple more pieces and then maybe Josh wants to ask some questions. Um, because I'm still thinking I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix God Rock. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix it, and then God's kingdom will show up, and the power will come, and we'll get back at it. Right? I just got to repent of some things. That's that's 
you know, let's do it. I don't know anything about journeying through the inner recesses of the heart. You know, it's just all I got to do is say the right words, repent, repent, and then we'll, we'll get on with it. Right? It's like magic incantation. Yeah. It's going to, you know, of course, it's always, the kingdom's always going to grow. Of course, you know, that, that's what it's about, right? Well, not according to hippie dude in Montana, it's not. But I don't really totally get what he just said, really, you know? So I, 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 I but I think I'm hearing clearly now, and I, I think I am. And I, I remember I was out in the middle of Sumas Prairie, somewhere I'd walk, and I looked over at Sumas Mountain. There's a good mountain there. And on top of that mountain is a set of radio towers. And, and uh, I mean, they're old and they're probably not used anymore, but it was a completely clear day, except for one little cloud right on those towers. And the way the light hit it, it just turned gold right there. And, and I just had this scent. The Lord says, come up here. Now, in my mind, what I'm thinking, you go up there, God shows up. It's done. We're done. We're finished. That's all I got to do. Like, like I, I'm still pretty driven in my thinking here, right? I'm thinking, okay, that, this is, you're going to talk to me. You know, I, it sounds really naive and somewhat prideful now and but i mean i i was really looking i i could hear and then we're going to get this over with and go back to work right I, I, that's my thinking so I, I hiked up where i knew there was this path and i'm singing and i'm, I'm pretty happy and, and it's totally treated in and i can't tell that it's actually clouding over and actually beginning to rain somewhat you know which it does in the vancouver area and i finally come out of the trees and i'm in this kind of a clear cut and there's a part of a couple old uh uh, uh, you know, logging roads there that, that, that cross right there. And I'm standing where the paths cross and, but the path to get to that spot is gone. You can't get there from there. It's impossible. And I, it's raining. I'm getting soaked. And I finally look up at the Lord and I yell at the top of my lungs, you can't get there from here, which was the whole point. And I didn't understand that. Right. So I'm, I'm walking down the hill quite upset. And I get this verse, Jeremiah 6, 16. I don't even look it up. I'm so mad at God. I'm not even looking that up. You know, I'm, screw you, you know. That's I know, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, that night, you know, we do a meeting and some people has a picture of me walking on this path. It was pretty cool. And in the morning, my friend that was in Montana with me calls me up and says, I got a verse for you. Jeremiah 6, 16. I go, really? I'm like, that's the Lord told me that too. He goes, well, don't look it up till I get there. He comes over. And we open up the Bible and it says, stand at the crossroads and wait. And that's where I was on the mountain, on this crossroads of logging roads, right? Ask for the ancient path, ask for the good way, and you will find rest for your souls. So there's this thing again about rest. Like, what is, you know, what, what is happening? Well, of course, then I have this dream. And I wish I would have understood it. I understand it now from a different theological paradigm but I didn't get it then. Back on the mountain, in that very spot, was a cathedral in a cave. So you're in the dream now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back up there. And in this cathedral, it's brand new. Everything is beautiful. Everything. The light coming in these windows, how that's possible, who knows, and tapestries. And, and in the middle of the cathedral, but nobody knows it's there. Nobody has ever been in it. And standing in the middle of the cathedral is this brand new, top-of-the-line electric synthesizer piano and no one's ever heard it so um so me and my friend in the dream are like well we may as well pack this down to the church i mean it's got to be used right should be used so we start to roll up the cords and pack it out we're going to pack it down to the church and this dancer comes out of somewhere sonia if you remember sonia it was her in the dream god bless her she comes dancing out kind of spins around and twirls and comes up to us and goes what are you guys doing 
oh, we're going to take this piano to somewhere where somebody can hear it. And she gives me this quizzical look and says, what makes you think that just because something stands in the presence of God, it has no value? I, I don't have a clue what that means. So let me repeat it again. What makes you think that just because something stands in the presence of God, it has no value? Wow. And, and I, I didn't understand it. And what it means is something doesn't have value for what it does. Something has value for what it is. And my theology at the time was based on my value is from what I do. Not just because I'm a son, that I don't need to do anything to be valued by God. I don't need to work. I don't need to serve. I don't need to do anything. He just loves me because I'm a son. But I didn't, I didn't know that. At least I, I didn't know that in my heart. I might have had a theological agreement with it. But sometimes when you go through things, and there's pressure, and we'll talk about this at some time, what's really in our heart emerges, right? The deep heart. Yeah. So how, how this kind of whole thing ends, um, remember- It doesn't, Samuel, it doesn't end, it's ongoing, right? Yeah, but, it yeah, is, yeah, it's yeah. ongoing. How, how I get to the point where I get it. I, um, you know, I'm still working, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm striving, but I, I go into burnout. Well, what happens? I meet with somebody who does a, a thing called life skills. One of, my, one of my youth group kids was learning how to do this. And you play games to uh, push people's buttons. You, you do physical things, and, and the Lord says, that's what I'm doing to you, you know. I'm like, what? About going up the mountain and not being able to get there, and um, I, I can't do it. You know, I think my computer's broken down four times. I try to fix it. It keeps breaking. My car's broken down. I try to fix it. It keeps breaking. Everything I do breaks, just like my ministry, right? And I haven't put together this massive pattern. I'm just trying to fix everything. And, and she says to me, I, I turned pale and she goes, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I think I finally, I, I'm figuring it out. And she says to me, anywhere in your life where you, it, it's been modeled to you to always have to try to fix things in your own strength. And I'm like, oh, I mean, my whole upbringing, you know, work equals love sure. in the Mennonite culture. Right. And I mean, I had no relationship with my, my dad really. I mean, now we're, we're pretty good. So really good. Um, but work has always equal love. And suddenly I couldn't work anymore. And matter of fact, I burn out, I crash. I mean, I, I, I crashed so bad that, that, um, I remember walking into the doctor's office to go on to stress leave and he walked in, I just started sobbing. And, you know, in many nights, we also don't cry publicly because, you know, emotions are things you put in a tight little ball and you man up, you know? Right. And, um, and I'll share something a little bit embarrassing, which, you know, I'm, I'm a member. I think I've hopefully grown as a person since this happened. Um, but I, I remember at this time, everything was falling apart. And now emotionally, I can't even hold it together. So if people ask me, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm on stress leave. I mean, how embarrassing is that as a man, especially as a pastor? How's your ministry going? It's dead. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, how are you doing emotionally? I spent all my time in my car weeping every day. I mean, I mean, everything a man is suddenly I am not, right. I'm not emotionally together. I don't, my career is over. My job's ended. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm stripped down. I, I have no theology for this. You know, there, there's no theology about pruning or the desert or unless a seed falls into the ground and dies. No one's ever, I've read it in the Bible, but no one's ever unpacked it. It's always right. about 
reaping a hundredfold or a thousandfold, right? We all, you know, the Orthodox, some of them would say, we would like to go, when a seed falls into the ground, you know, if it does not die, it bears a thousand, thousandfold. But I've, I've read one Orthodox guy, he, he rewords it. There's no resurrection without a death. Right. I mean, or or oh, there's the Hosea 2 one. I'm just thinking of this one. Behold, I will allure her into the wilderness. Yeah. Right? And I'll speak tenderly to her there. Give her the valley of uh, the valley of trouble as a door of hope. That's right. And, you know, and, you're and like, wait a sec. Wait, that. But doesn't does it, you give me you, know, you give me the door of hope. I, why do I need the valley of trouble? Yes. Right? Yeah. And see, the thing is a little bit further on. He says, and there I will betroth you to me forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because because he sees the desert as this romantic time where the junk in your heart that you don't know that's there gets to get purged out and he yeah. takes up more room and then he dwells in there. Yeah. And for him, I mean, we just don't see it that way. So I, I, at some point, Oh, I, I was going to, I almost skipped the most embarrassing story. I, now I have to tell, I him. almost got you out of it. Marie. I know I, I was all suddenly I was going to skip it, but here is how I knew things were really bad. So, I mean, my computer's breaking, my emotions are shot. Everything's breaking. And we were walking kids, the kids to the, to the uh, elementary school. And we got to cross a pretty busy road. And, you know, you have the, the guard, you know, the sign stands in the middle of the road. It says stop on the sign and the kids go. Well, the kids are just about to step off and this car doesn't stop. It dodges the guard. It dodges a couple of kids. And I stop my kids with my hands, you know, and, and, and the guard yells at this guy, hey, you, you know, this kind of old Italian army looking guy. And you know what? My finger came out and I did this. And you know what? For those what? of you that can't see Murray, he's I making an obscene me. gesture. And I grabbed my hand, I put it away really quick and looked around to make sure nobody saw me because we Mennonites, we certainly don't do that. And you're a pastor. You can't do that. Yeah. And suddenly I realized I was beginning to lose control. Right. Of, and, and I didn't realize for what the Lord wanted to heal in my heart of needing to look together of having everything in control, of building everything, suddenly I was getting a really pretty guard, good, good hard look. But things turn around right here because now, again, I, we don't have money to, we don't have money. I have to go on stress leave. The government money wasn't coming through. We didn't have money for groceries, like nothing. We were, it was scary. I mean, I was emotionally destroyed. We distraught, destroyed. And, and then my kids, I said to my kids, what do you guys want to do? Like, Dad's got some time off, right? What do you want to do? And they go, we want to go to Disneyland. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. You know, now I have guilt. You know, <laughs> why did I ask the question? But I said, okay, if money comes in the mail, we'll go to Disneyland, right? Like, okay, yay, this is great. You know, off they go running. They're all pretty young, five, three. And, you know, Simeon was probably a toddler, year and a half, maybe. A week later, this envelope comes from somebody who doesn't know anything. And in it is a check for $5,000. And I remember opening it and I went to my kids, guys, remember what we prayed? Yeah, if money comes in the mail, we'll go to Disneyland. I go, guess what? And I hold the envelope up and they're like, yeah, they were jumping and freaking out. And I hear, I realize I finally got it. God doesn't love me for what I do. He loves me for who I am. Just like the dream about the piano. I was that piano. That was me. And I got it here at my most broken, vulnerable spot. I would have done anything to earn that money. 
And here God just does it for me because I'm his son. And then my heart finally starts to heal, you know, starts to get put back together. And I remember I was in counseling and I had to write this letter to my dad, not mail it, but just write it out. Right. Yeah. And dad doesn't know. I didn't tell him I was burned out. I wasn't working. And somehow right after I wrote this letter, he found out somehow and he called me up to go out for coffee. And we really hadn't talked since grade at least 11 through high school. Now, I mean, we have kind of a relationship at this time, very tenuous, tenuous. Yes. And he sits me down and he just stares at his cup. He just starts talking about his upbringing and he goes through everything I wrote on that page on that letter without knowing why he is the way he is and how he grew up and why. And then just the Lord starts doing these things and, 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 uh, and put me back together, you know? And I mean, the story goes on. Every our whole church went through exactly what I I'm telling you, and you know, yeah, and John Paul Jackson's coming. He's coming back, and uh, uh, oh man, I'll, I'll let's tell you just one more crazy thing. Like in the church, like every ministry collapses, every home group collapses. Twelve step Sunday school, all the home groups, everybody goes through. I just I'm just first, you know, and 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 what happens is. We, we, without knowing it, we all end up getting a spiritual father or mother. Uh, we all go into counseling to start looking at the stuff in our heart. And we realize as a church, we're changing, that it's becoming about interchange and community and about having a spiritual mom or dad uh, and growing. And all this theological change is happening, which is very much in line, again, with um, Orthodox thinking. So uh, I remember I would say to Father Mike, this uh, priest I'd hang out with, started out as a carrier. He's a four square pastor. He used to smuggle Bibles when he was in youth of the mission into Russia. I mean, you know, he eventually converted to orthodoxy and I would say, and we plan on having him hopefully on the podcast yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. And I said to him, why do you lock all your best people up in monasteries? This will fit my comment about a spiritual mom or dad. This is years later. You said yeah, this years and yeah. years later, but I, I just want to point out where this theology comes from of moms and dads needing one. And he goes, oh, we don't lock them up, you know, they, but these people, they'll pray. They'll pray for 20 or 30 years, right? And, and you know what? You'll go hang out with them if you want to, and you, you'll connect with a certain one, and they'll become your spiritual mother and father for the rest of your life. How do you find spiritual moms and dads in your church culture? I'm like, and Josh is laughing, and I'm me too, because we don't, right? Because it's not important. We hope someone might stumble into it. Yeah, because it's yeah. all about teaching learning theology or doing right which is what the lord was saying we're adding we're growing past that now well we 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 put them on boards and we make them so busy they can't be fathers and mothers yeah exactly yeah. but you see that that that's an important thought like you know if that strikes you that's because we have a fence around our school our church our belief systems that says no this is not a value and and you know what the church blew up um, one of the weird things that would happen, I, I remember Guy was preaching, and he was talking about the difference between Samuel. Guy, guy is the name of the pastor, right? Yeah, like, Guy. The Guy know, was preaching. Yeah. Guy was the senior pastor, uh, Guy McPherson, and and he says, you know what? Um, the difference between Saul and Samuel. Samuel had authority, but in the end, he gave it up just to have power, right? He just wanted power. But Samuel, on the hand, other hand, he gave up everything, but he still had authority in people's lives. You got to give up power to get authority, and the lights above the stage go out on that sentence. 
I'm like, oh, that's weird. And now I'm paying attention to these things. I go home and I tell my friend, hey, guess what? And this weird thing happened. You got to give up power to get authority. And the lights of my house go off, on, off, on, off, on. I'm like, oh, that's weird, right? Same sentence. You got to give up power to get authority. Yeah. And then it happened five times, in four times in the church building on that sentence that happened. Wow. You know, and it's like, I mean, what does that mean, right? And so, you know, just to throw these weird, per- so, you know, being a charismatic hasn't stopped. You know, strange experiences. My value right. and dreams, let's say, went through the roof after this, you know? Um, well, what, what, so with that, what happened, like, what was the, what would you point to as the moment where, you know, quote unquote, the kind of, you know, that's the journey of the heart, right? Murray yeah. coming to, which is, we're, we'll talk about this, but this is Voices from the Desert. The desert is the heart. Yeah. And, and so th- this is the journey of the heart coming to grips with, I, the, I have a deep heart that I'm completely unaware of and I can't do anything about, only God can. And it's and, good to, you know, quote this one, if we wanted to go back to it, it might be good to read it right now, just one more time. Um, so why don't I do that? Um, to a christian to be a christian is to be a traveler i thought it was to be a worker our situation as a greek father says these early church guys is like that of israelite people in the desert of sinai we live in tents not houses for spiritually we're always on the move growing and changing we were on a journey through the inward space of the heart well, look what was in my heart and i had no idea a journey not measured by the hours or the watches of calendar of the day or a calendar for it's a journey out of time into eternity we're always becoming, we with unveiled faces, we behold his glory, we're changed, you know? And I didn't know those things were important. And I, you know, I didn't know anybody that had a theology that believed it was, I didn't know anybody, you know, my dreams. I'm like, I'm having these dreams and I'm thinking these dreams are accurate, but the theology of my church at that time, when you, somebody would prophesy over you, you'd get a good word of knowledge, which would be accurate. And then they would end with, you're going to the nations right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's your destiny. And and because we had this cultural framework, prophecy had to happen through. Nobody was talking about desert or pruning or a seed falling into the ground. I mean, nobody ever used that language. And I'm like, am I insane? Am I the only one? In, I mean, at this point, I'm like, am I the only one of the history of mankind that has dreams like this? Doesn't anybody have this theology? Sure wasn't in my Mennonite church. And suddenly I came across some writings of the desert fathers and they talked about the heart like that they talked about uh being changed on the inside they talked about blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god they talked about the desert and change and 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 inner healing and and i'm like oh my goodness you mean this dream about not doing but is god this he's me i mean think about here paul the apostle doing all these things and jesus says Give you a thorn in the flesh, right? My perf- my grace right. is made perfect in weakness. I mean, people talk this way. I mean, nobody I knew anywhere. And suddenly there's a 2,000-year history in the church that nobody talks about. I was aghast. But I also felt somewhat sane now because I'm like, you mean I'm not making this up? Right, right. I had no sure. one talk- Other than Graham Cook. I mean, I, I stumbled upon some of Graham Cook stuff about rest. And, and the desert, and, 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 and that was so helpful for me. Uh, but I can't tell you the feeling of, of going, I'm not the only Christian who, who experiences these things. And, and it was a shock to me because I'd never been in, introduced to any of these. 
I mean, for Mennonites in particular, I mean, Menno Simons, 1560, that's where it starts. You, you can study that forward, but nobody reads theology there backwards. So right. who handed you, who handed you, was it the Desert Fathers? Was that kind of your first introduction um, to? Where did I get the first, one of the first things that, uh, that I got a hold of. So Samuel's Mantle starts, I mean, so, I, I mean, everybody just so you know, I mean, that, that's not the end of the story, of course. Um, what I learned through that desert experience about dreams, about the resting place, about being led on a journey, about change, all became core things of Samuel's Mantle, the prophetic school that started about a year and a half later and and um because what you learn in the desert is it, it and, and you where you win your ground you take with you as a part of you in your next season right and i mean i didn't know that at the time right but but i mean really and all kinds of incredible doors opened yeah. up and god did all kinds of things so i mean the the desert is, is to gain more ground in us for christ and then we do bear more fruit but but you'll notice afterwards you're, you're not so much about the mission you're you you're like lord did today bring you pleasure mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're still serving but your your focus isn't people it's bringing joy to the heart of god right so and that's another story for another day which yeah we'll talk we'll, well probably at one point we'll talk through because you're you're in a i don't know you're not directly doing this probably but basil the great has a well-developed theology of moving from slavery to sonship yes and, um, and that's kind of so, what we're talking about there. In it is. We're we'll, but we'll specifically address that in a future episode. Yeah. There's lots of stuff we're going to talk about. Do um, you remember what the first book was that was like? Yeah, oh, I think. I think these guys think like me. Yeah, I think. I think. Believe it or not, it wasn't the Orthodox guys at first, at all. It was the Celtic saints. That oh, okay. um, right. Um, it was uh, Columba and Saint Patrick, and and Aidan and. Um, I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, there was orthodoxy and Catholicism. Isn't that the same thing? And it, it's not, you know, by any means. Right. Um, but I, I didn't even know there was such a church or, and if it existed, what, how would it be different than Catholicism? And, but, but, you know, the whole Celtic revival thing was going on. So I, I, I'd come out of, I'd really Graham Cook, his material at the time was the first thing that, that bridged for me, you know, and, from there, we ended up at the Langley Vineyard. And, and Langley Vineyard at that time, year 2000, and Samuel's Mantle started there, had, had, a, had a prayer room called Columbus Cave. And, um, and they were very much into that. And I was too, Celtic saints. And I had, um, oh boy, I could tell you the first Orthodox thing, but that, that would, that's another crazy, weird story of, Weirdness. I know this. I know the story. Uh, yeah. Well, I know it generally anyway, because that was another dream experience that kind yeah. of led you on that, and, which we can talk another time, obviously, just due, yeah. due to time constraints. Yes. I think the first book that I, I got my hands on, because you, you got to realize when you're in a situation like that, you have to find inner peace because you don't have it. And, and going to meetings at that point is not helping because right, right. everybody else's meetings destroyed, too. I mean, there, there was nothing you know, and um, I came across this book. Um, I think Mike Stewart, uh, he was a priest at St. Matthew's. He was in Samuel's Mantle for a while, but I think we're a couple years in now. It could be 2001, maybe two, called uh, The Way of the Pilgrim, and um, about inner prayer, and, and that little book really changed my life because right. prayer to me had been very external, 
I mean, very spiritually sensitive, come Holy Spirit, right? You, you need to be in God's presence, put on the music, find a guitar player. Um, but again, going through that, it, it wasn't enough. And I, I know the Lord had promised rest. And I know this heart thing was, you know, this, like he said, going through the recesses of the heart was a big deal. But I didn't know how to put that together. Rest, the heart, being in God's presence. How, how, do you, how do you do all of these things? If you want my heart so badly, well, how do I do that? Because I'm still a good Mennonite. I'm still do it. How do we do it? Like, show me how to do it, you know? And, and I, I came across that book, The Way of the Pilgrim. And it's, and it's the story of, a, of, a, of a, a little Russian serf, you know, basically a peasant. And he's, he wants to learn how to pray continually and, and, and pray from the heart. And it took me years to figure out what that book even meant. I, I, I didn't know there was even a difference, even at this point, other than my heart hurt. Right. I didn't know there was a difference between praying from your head and praying from your heart. I, I had no concept of these things. Um, but I think that that book, Graham Cook, you know, running a, against some of these, these early Celtic guys, that, that kind of bridged the gap for me into, um, into the Desert Fathers and, and, and these mothers and dads of the church, moms and dads, yeah. um, who, who were like, you know, the prime thing. I here is is to become like christ and that that requires a heart transplant that requires this inner change and 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 this loving relationship is what it's about and and it, it took i got i got it's you want to be a human being and not a human doing i i got that you know yeah. and um and i got this idea about about moving out of rest because now when, when you're completely done I mean, I can prophesy over people if the spirit of God's on me or not. I, I hate to tell you because my gifting is going to function. Sure. Right? I can function in my gifting. But when you're completely emotionally out of gas, it just makes you tired because the anointing isn't there. And you can do that for a while. But after, after you come out the other side of something like this, you, you don't want to do anything that you don't feel God's presence on in your heart, if that makes sense. And to yeah. realize that was different. I mean, we'll need to talk about that at some time, a different too. you know, the grace of God, energia is the word, when God's grace is upon something. Um, and it, it took a while, but, you know, if I could think about what's the first, I, I would think, believe it or not, Julian of Norwich was probably one of the first big um, influences on me. Again, Celtic. Right, sure. Celtic. Um, if I had to remember, who would I think was the first, I would think that the first, orthodox guy I, I i ran across i really ran across was probably saint simeon the new theologian whom i i i i i quoted a little bit ago and but but it was a very slow immersion for me up to the point i met father mike you know i i, I started to pick up books i i started to read but it, it you know I, I must say i mean i hung out with father mike you know once a week probably for seven or eight years we go out for curry but, you know, how many times did I actually go to his, his church? Eight in 10 years? I mean, just an absolute coward. I mean, I'm like, this is weird stuff, man. I mean, he's got this incense thing going on and there's icons all over the place. And there's this guy, these people are all singing and there's no musicians and what the heck, you know? I thought like, when you censor something, isn't that when you, like, you tell them not to say anything and then yeah. all of a sudden they're censoring things and you're like, what, what, what censure, censor, what? You know, exactly, I don't know what's right? happening here. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, you got to understand. I mean, still have my, you know, my Mennonite and charismatic 
thinking is still really in play. You know, I, I really regret it. We live in Kamloops now. We've been here for four years. One of my biggest regrets is that I didn't go to their services more often. Yeah. That I just so, I so regret it because again, you know, he started out as a charismatic. He could speak the language for me. And um, he, he, you know, and you'll get to meet him, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you will. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wish I could say there was a particular book I picked up. I'll have to think about it some more, but the, w- the Way of the Pilgrim was number one. And then, I, then, believe it or not, what happened is I picked up the Way of the Pilgrim, and he's talking about reading the Philokalia. I'm like, Philokalia, what's that? And then I got me a Philokalia. And, Isn't and, that um, funny? That's how that how the journey kind of, I, and we'll get you know we'll do another episode. This might end up being two episodes, mm-hmm. um, where we'll we'll talk about my journey, right? But yeah, the you have fundamental experience, right? And which which you know, we'll, and we'll probably talk about this at some point. Fundamental experience totally shapes and shifts who you are, and then desperate for some kind of anchoring point you start finding people that talk the same way yes, and you exactly. go oh my goodness these people have been here all along right and and part of a, a the similarities in our journey is in and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago kind of, it, that that I've kind of been in this lamenting grief thing of not so like hardcore or anything but just going my goodness I wish I would have had this earlier yeah and and someone oh, so helpful well and and you know you're, you're the contemporary way that both of our church upbringing and background was when you read you read for theological instruction right and that's why you would study is theological instruction and it in term and so then anybody that isn't kind of in line with that theological instruction is off limits or or not even off limits they're just unimportant right yeah, and absolutely. and so they just kind of fall by the wayside where the the uh, the way of the pilgrim and then you know the follow up the pilgrim continues his way those aren't theological instruction booklets right and they're yeah. they are heart transformation language what it looks like to know god and walk that out language which which if you think about my journey is what I realized was important, but I, I didn't know anyone else who talked about that. Well, it was the missing gap, right? You yeah, had the, the you gap. had the theology, you know, you had the every Sunday being taught what the Bible means, all this kind of stuff. You had the theology stuff, right? Mm. It was the missing gap was how do I navigate the journey of the heart, the inner recesses? How do I walk through this? And I don't, I literally have no clue. And you know, a blow after blow where Jesus finally announces his victory over you, right? I've beaten you. <laughs> I've yeah. finally conquered you. That's crazy. And and I love how he's also prophesying it because you still didn't get it. No. Right. <laughs> but I finally I've finally conquered. And and so much of the journey of the heart is learning to place my heart in his care as opposed to my own. Yes. And um, and so that the what we're saying is the desert fathers who will will talk about who they are because some people will be familiar with that language and some won't you know um but broadly speaking sometimes when we refer to the desert fathers we're just talking about the contemplative or mystical literature yeah gives us language and understanding for navigating those things and and it's it is for for many of us it's the missing gap it's the missing piece it's going you know i can read dry theologians till i'm blue in the face but who's going to help me navigate how do I love my wife and how, how do I give more of my heart? How do I give more of my life to my kids and to the people that I'm leading? Cause I, cause I keep 
failing and I can't figure out how to get there. And there's, there's, you know, we're going to talk about obviously our experience and how we, uh, you know, talked about Murray's experience, but even more so how we came to grips with that. And so, you know, you're going to get in the context of this whole podcast, you're going to get lots of references to different books and works and theologians and yeah. mystical theologians and all this kind of stuff. Right. And hoping to help people engage. Maybe on one hand, I'm hoping that that 20 year old man or woman that's trying to start things out finds us and goes, Oh, thankfully I have the resource to navigate that the things because, nice. be you know, because nice. we, or, you know, it'll be that I'm 41, Murray, you're what? You're 50, over 50. 50. Yeah. You're just 50, right? Oh, that mercy. No. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, or we've got someone in that stage going, finally, I found guys that understand and talk like I do. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, they'll be all running the gamut in between that, but, uh, I just want to say thank you everybody for tuning in to, what constitutes probably the first couple of episodes and yeah i guess that could be too yeah we'll get back to it and we'll talk about my journey and we'll talk about what is what does it even mean when we say why are we saying voices from the desert and you if you follow it along with murray's language you'll probably kind of get the little clues about the desert and the heart and the journey but um you know that's that's we'll get to that and uh, and yeah. so rest of our lives yes yeah we're we will see you guys all next time and so we just bless you to to encounter the love of god and rest in him and that you wouldn't have to spend so many years Amen. as murray did yeah <laughs> banging your head against the hard-heartedness that we all carry along and that you'd find that place of comfort in the lord so we just bless Amen. you